Man, I am so glad to see you guys today. If you were here for Easter last week, thank you so much for being with us last week, coming back. Hey, we serve the same resurrected Savior today as we did last Sunday, and we do every day. He still has the victory in his hands, and we celebrate that so, so much. Um, Listen, today, we, as you've already been told, uh, we're kicking off a new series we'll talk about in a minute, but today is Baptism Sunday at Radiate. It is one of the best Sundays. That's why everybody shouts when we talk about it and clap, because it really is one of the best Sundays where we celebrate life change in people's lives. And we have a phrase at Radiate that says this is a value. It's we do life together, um, and that's what we're doing when we celebrate people in baptism is going, hey, you're not taking this step alone. We're with you. We're celebrating with you. We're going to live life together. We're going to fail together. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to do it all together, and, and we love that. So we're honored that you're with us to celebrate that today. But in conjunction with that, we are starting a brand new series today over the next several weeks that I am super excited about, and here's why. Um, Across both campuses, there are hundreds and hundreds of people. In fact, last week, there was over 1,400 people that walked through the doors of this church to hear about the resurrection of Jesus. Come on. Hundreds and hundreds every single week that walk through the doors of our campuses, and you bump shoulders, and you give high fives, and you get their names, but here's what a lot of times we don't get to see unless we're in life groups together, unless we're in circles together, is this, everybody has a story. Everybody in this room today has a story. Not one person, your story may be completely different than other stories. Your story may be one that you're too ashamed to even tell at this point. Maybe your story, maybe you're just like, I don't even have that much of a story, you know? But everybody has some kind of story. So everybody has a past. Everybody has things that they're struggling with in their present. And I'm here to tell you, everybody in the room also has a future. Everybody in the room also has a purpose in God and, and, and through Christ. And we're starting a, a series called My Story. And my story is a collection of stories of people that you bump into every week. That you, the more you come, the more you'll see their faces, the more you'll know them. And now you're going to know a little bit of their story. And I'm going to be real with you. You don't want to miss one of them, because any of them, because they are powerful. And they're going to hit on things that, man, you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know people dealt with that. I thought I was the only one that dealt with that. I thought there was no hope from that. And I want you to know that there's always hope in Christ. Last week, we talked about how there's victory in the hands of a Savior. And what we're doing this week is showing you there's victory in the hands of a Savior. One of the things I love about this series that we're doing, this is the first time we've ever done this, um, about this series is we're throwing victory back in the face of the devil. We're looking at him and going, you thought you won. You thought you had him. You thought, you know, what was going on in their life, him or her. Doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is, Jesus has victory, not you. And we're throwing that right back in the enemy's face. I love that so much. And so, we're going to look into that. We are going to have messages on the backside or maybe in the middle. We're going to switch it around each week um, on, that attaches to the story. But you're going to be able to attach a story, a triumph, a victory, and a struggle to a face. 
and you're going to be able to see what it looks like to do life together. Today's story is one that's super uh, personal, uh, one that is uh, powerful. You, uh, many of you know, maybe this is your first time with us, but we have another campus in Florence, South Carolina, about an hour away. They're meeting right now, and they'll be celebrating baptisms in just a few minutes as well. And uh, our campus directors are Justin and Amber Graham. Uh, that campus has been going about a year now, uh, going really, really well. God's doing amazing things there. And Justin has a really unique story that he honestly never saw himself ever being in leadership at a church. And it wasn't because he didn't think he had the abilities. It was because of the life that he lived. And the truth of the matter is, is that God looked and said, no, there's something for you. And I just happened to be blessed enough to come along and go, Justin, you have a future and you have a purpose and we want to pull that out. And so you've seen Justin around. He was a part of this. Him and his wife and his kids were a part of this campus uh, for about two years before we launched them out to plant the, plant the Florence campus. And so we want to tell you a little bit of what God's done in his life and what that looks like because there's going to be parts in his story you're going to look and go, man, I've dealt with feelings like that. I've dealt with situations like that, and now you get to see what God can do through that. So if you'll give us just a few minutes, pay attention to the screens. Uh, how many of you, let me, hang on, back up. Back when I was growing up, we went to a church, and they called it a testimony service. Anybody familiar with a good old school testimony service? Now listen, there's a reason we don't do those the same way here. The reason is because, man, I was a part of those, and some of the people I'd be like, can we not tell that part? Like, let's just, I mean, let's give God the glory, but not everybody needs to know the detail. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's nasty. That's just nasty. Let's just be honest. It's, but it's what it is. And so I love telling, because I want you to understand, your story matters. And your story impacts people's lives. And though you think it's a trial in your, in your story, though you think it's a trial in your life, I promise you, it's going to bring somebody else freedom. Give me just a few minutes. Let's pay attention to the screen. My name is Justin Graham, and this is my story. When I was a young kid, I was raised Jewish. Grew up on a farm out in Lynchburg, Atlanta, South Carolina. I had a lot of land, and we, uh, we hunted, we fished. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with, with guys, friends of mine, of my father. And uh, the outdoors were just a place where we gathered all the time. It's just what we did. And uh, went to Temple on Fridays. Um, had a bar mitzvah at 13, and uh, that was pretty neat. And uh, in and out of private schools, kicked out of some, went to some new ones. And um, you fast forward to me being in the 11th grade, I think it was, at West Florence High School, was when I really started testing the waters in the addictions and things that started to take hold of my life. And um, I always struggled with wanting more in life. And when I started running into the wrong people at the wrong time um, through high school in the 11th grade, I found marijuana, found cocaine, pornography was real big in my life, um, alcohol was really number one. Uh, if I wasn't partying, I, I was sleeping or just filling in, you know, a chair at, at school and uh, it was a struggle for me, it really, really was. I uh, worked at a place called Norton's Car Stereo during that time. 
And uh, my boss, he is, um, man, he's, he's a knucklehead, I'll tell you. We, uh, we have a, a really fun relationship. But he's poured a lot into me. He, he really has. He's, um, he's been there for a long time. And um, he started planting seeds in me in the 11th grade in high school. And um, I never wanted to hear about it. I didn't want to hear about Jesus. I didn't want to hear about any of that. And uh, I wanted to continue on the path I was on. I wanted to continue partying, showing up late to work. And uh, I didn't want nothing getting in the way of all the fun that I was having. And um, yeah, up in one day, I had a, a beautiful young lady come through um, by the name of Amber McGacken. She stopped by in the Norton's one day to get some work done and introduced myself and uh, asked for her phone number. And she, uh, she wouldn't give it to me. She asked for mine instead. And that was probably good because at that time I was a hot mess. I really was. I was still turning away from, from God. I didn't want to hear about the gospel. I wanted to continue to party and do things that I wanted to do. Um, she left work that day. I'd given her my information and she never called. A year later, she popped back in, and we jokingly uh, were talking about me waiting on her phone call. And You know, I do strongly believe that God sent her to be in my life for a purpose. Um, those of you that don't know, I am now happily married to this woman, and I have two beautiful kids. But before we get into that, I want to say, when I met her, I still was not in the right place. I still had addictions. I was an alcoholic. I did drugs behind her back. I was doing a lot of things that did not show love toward her. I disrespected her. I did not love her as Christ loved the church. I got to a place where we were bouncing in and out of church. And uh, depending on how bad we were on Saturday night, depending on, depended on whether or not we went to church on Sunday. And then um, it got to a place where depending on how bad we were on Saturday night, depended on how much money we put in the pot when it came by. And uh, a lot of things that people had done for me in the past still stuck with me um, as far as being a stepping stone in my life and, and pouring the gospel into me. And finally one day, I'll tell you, um, 17 years later um, of my boss pouring into me, I finally saw the light. And um, I gave my life to Jesus. It was the best thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Um, I remember calling a friend of mine. I remember calling a friend of mine that day and telling him, he's one of my best friends. I said, I, I've given my life to Jesus. And um, I'll never forget what he said. He said, oh, no, you're just doing that to get a raise because your boss loves Jesus. And I was like, oh, gosh. You know, my biggest worry was I was going to lose my friends. <clears throat> I didn't want to lose friends. I lived a life up to that point where it was all about how many friends could I have, how many friends could I impress. I didn't want to lose him. <clears throat> I didn't want to lose other friends. And so I hung up with him 
and I just felt deflated. But at the same time, I felt, I felt loved. I felt like I had hope. And um, my wife and I, we made a 180 in our life by giving my life to Jesus and her reuniting her life and giving her life back to Jesus. And um, we made it a promise that we were going to put God first. Um, our marriage beforehand was a very rocky road and uh, up until this point. So we got plugged into church and um, we had a lot of people pouring into us. And um, man, they were a huge impact in, in helping sharpen us and grow us in our faith. And no, we did not get invited to events anymore um, or any longer. We didn't get invited. And that kind of hurt. Um, the friends we did hang out with at one time, the truth is that they were just on a different path than we were. And it was probably best that we weren't around that because um, we were in a different season of life. And, and we had our mind and our heart focused on one, one thing only. And, and that was growing our faith. And uh, so we plugged into a church and, and this church poured into us, man. It really did, it helped empower and equip us. And it's been amazing, um, or it was amazing. And you know, all I can say is that when I gave my life to Jesus, not only did I change, but I watched as the months came and gone. I watched as time passed. The friends that I was worried about leaving me, the friends that I cried over after I gave my life to Jesus, afraid and worried and upset, worrying I was going to lose them in my life. Things started shifting in their life. And they too are plugged into a church to this very day. They're serving at a massive capacity. It's insane how powerful God is. It's mind-blowing that he's brought these people back into my life. He's brought us all back together and that we're all doing kingdom work. It's amazing. You fast forward to just a couple years back, my wife and I attended Radiate Church. We traveled to Radiate Church for two and a half years, every single Sunday from Florence, South Carolina. It was a calling that we felt on our life. We've known Pastor Brandon. Um, he actually helped marry my wife and I, believe it or not. Um, he was a lot younger back then. But uh, anyway, no, we, uh, we've always just kind of thought of calling. We, we've loved what God is doing through him and has done through him. And, and man, he's just, he's a powerful pastor. And I may be biased, but I believe that Radiate Church has the best pastor in the world. And I'm not saying that because I'm sitting here. I'm telling you that because I truly believe that. And um, so we visited here and got heavily plugged in for two and a half years every single Sunday. Uh, we got approached about starting a life group out of Florence, South Carolina, every other Sunday called Act of Faith. And man, let me tell you, I didn't want to do it. I did not. I felt like, you know, the only scripture I even know by that point is, you know, I know John 3, 16, Romans 12, 2. I got about three strong ones in my back pocket. Like I felt like I needed to know all this stuff. And, and I'm going to tell you, something that Radiate taught me, that it's not about religion. 
it's not about checking the box. It really is not. Um, just live a life that's intentional about a relationship with Jesus. That's it. And everything else falls into place. You don't have to know all this. Just be real, be transparent, and be honest with who you are. That stuff will come in time. If you desire to have a relationship with Jesus, you'll want to learn more and more about him. But we had this life group. It took place two and a half years. It was amazing. And um, COVID came. And, uh, you know, everyone knows COVID. And uh, it cut our numbers in half with people getting sick in and out every other week. And uh, fast forward to about a year and a half, two, two years of doing life group roughly. We, uh, we decided to launch a church. And it's Radiate Church Florence. It's our Florence campus. And uh, all I can say is, wow, there's some mornings I write my journal when I'm in the parking lot at the church and I say, uh, I don't deserve this, period. Or thank you, period. I can't even get out what I want to say. It's, it's not even a full sentence sometimes. Um, I'm grateful. I'm blessed. Um, how do you take somebody that was addicted to drugs, that sold drugs, that hurt people in and out of jail? Who takes them from where they were at and puts them in a place where they're helping direct a church in a, uh, in a place like Florence County? And that's Jesus. I owe every single thing I have in my life to Him. And without Him, I would have absolutely nothing and I would not be standing here right now speaking to you. I love you all and this is my story. Come on. Wow. What a story. What transparency, what a view into what God can do in people's lives. And I have no doubt that there's many of you in the room that there was something in that story that probably related to you. You know, I, I know for me, I was at a place where it depended on what I did Friday and Saturday as to whether I even showed up on Sunday. And it absolutely depended on how much I spent Friday and Saturday as to how much I gave on Sunday. You know, and, and there were so many things that he said in there. And what I love about Justin's story is Justin's story is an illustration of honestly what we talked about on Sunday. What we talked about on Easter Sunday last week. Last week. We talked about the victory of Jesus and how no matter what happens in our lives, he has already stomped on the head of the serpent. He's already crushed the snake. He's already taken death, hell, and the grave, and he's already reign, he reigns victorious over that. And that's Justin's story. Justin's story is one of grace. It's redemption, love, forgiveness, another chance. And there's so much more to that story that I could tell you. I, I remember having the conversation with him about, Pastor, I can't lead a life group. Justin, I don't know that you can't not lead a life group. I think it's just a call on your life. Man, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I know three scriptures. I'm like, that's three more than a lot of people know. You know, you got to start somewhere. You got to get moving at some point. You're either going to move closer to God or you're not. It's, it, 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 there is no standing still. There is no, I'm just going to stay right here and I'm good. That's not how this conversation and this journey with God works. 
One of the things I love about Justin's story as well is it's an illustration of a phrase we use at Radiate all the time. It's that God loves you right where you are, and if you're a part of Radiate, you know how to finish it, but what? Way too much to leave you there. I love the fact that Justin was really open about, I didn't want to give my life to the Lord. I didn't want to walk away from the party, and I didn't want to walk away from all the things that I had done and how that had trickled. You know, a lot of times we can go, oh, it's just a phase. It's just high school. It's just college. No, that trickled into his married life, his adult life. Like, if you don't take care of things, they, they keep going. And here's the truth. God loved Justin right where he was, but entirely too much to leave him in that mess. And that is the hope of Justin's story. But here's the truth, that's the hope of your story too. Because throughout the day today, there's going to be hundreds of people at both campuses. And here's what I'm here to tell you. You have a story, and some of it, you think there is no redemption on the other side. You think you are too far gone. And I just need to tell you, no you're not. There is something on the other side that God has for you. And Justin's story is an example of that. In fact, if you read the New Testament Throughout Jesus' ministry in the New Testament, you find this ragtag bunch of guys, these 12 guys that follow Jesus around everywhere he goes. He kinda, they serve Jesus' ministry, and make no mistake, they were absolutely ragtag people. They liked to joke. They, you know, one of them cut off a guy's ear, right? He cut off the dude's ear for Jesus, but then he denied him whenever push came to shove. That's a whole other story. But, like, there's all these things going on, and if you don't think those guys had fun, I don't know if you've ever been around 12 guys together at the same time. There's jokes and there's laughter. It's, it's a lot of fun. And these guys were called the disciples, as many of you know, because they were disciples of Jesus. Disciple means learner. And so they were learning about the kingdom of God from Jesus, and they were learning about what the ministry looked like and how to do these things. They were turning the world upside down, and they had a firsthand look at miracles and hearing about the teachings of the kingdom of God, how good God was, all these things taking place, and they still doubted. I know some of you are in the room, and you're like, I don't deserve to be here. I still doubt. I question. I don't know if I believe. Y'all, they spent years with Jesus, and they still doubted, and he'd come alongside and be like, come here, knucklehead. Let me get you out of this mess, and then I'll teach you something, and it's kind of an illustration of our lives with Jesus. Hey, I know Jesus to me, a lot of times, he comes beside me, he's like, I've told you this like 15 times, but I'm going to pull you out, and then I'm going to teach you a lesson too. And that's the love of a father. But there's an interesting thing that takes place that really coincides with Justin's story, that as Jesus was calling the disciples to follow him, he used a phrase with about every one of them, it was just three words, and it was this, come, follow me. If you don't know the context and the culture, that's okay, uh, but you're going to miss a really important part of those words. See, those words weren't by accident. It wasn't Jesus just walking up and go, hey, come with me. Hey, let's go. Hey, get your stuff and let's walk. No, see, there was actually context. There was history and culture behind why Jesus would say those words. Because in that day, in the Jewish culture, you would apply <clears throat> to be a disciple of a rabbi or a teacher. Now, we today, in 2023, we know Jesus as Lord, as Savior, as Messiah. In those days, before all of that was figured out, he was mostly known as rabbi or teacher. He was a preacher or a teacher 
of the gospels, of God, of the kingdom. And so they saw him as that. And so when you would apply, you would get one of two answers. They would test you on a few things. I don't want to get into that whole process. It's really interesting. But you would get one of two answers. You would either get the answer of go and continue your family trade. In other words, you didn't make the cut. See ya. Peace. Later. Bye. You weren't smart enough. You didn't pass the test. Because mostly what you were going to do is you were going to continue the family business that your family was already doing in order to support your family. And that is how you would make money and make it in the world. Or you would get the answer, bet you'll never guess what it was. Come, follow me. It was a cultural phrase of a high honor of acceptance to a teacher. Now, when Jesus came across these 12 guys, they weren't applying to him. But most likely, it can be concluded that they had already been denied discipleship from other teachers. They had already been denied and said, go, find, go, go continue your family trade. In fact, here's a few backstories of some of them. Andrew, Peter, James, and John were fishermen. They, uh, I know a couple of them, they were doing the family business. They were working with their father. The other couple, it's probably they were either starting a family trade or... They were in their family trade, but they were fishermen. So they had most likely been denied discipleship with another rabbi, teacher, preacher, whatever you want to call them. Then you had Thomas, Philip, and Nathaniel. They were also fishermen at some point. So it can be concluded and, and, and thought that, okay, they had been denied. They were continuing their family trade. You had Matthew that was a tax collector. In other words, he was a thief. He robbed people. He, he collected taxes, and he'd add his own fee on there. Think Zacchaeus. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago, same, same concept. Then you had a man named Z Simon, and you've probably heard him called, if you have studied the Bible much, maybe not, maybe not, but you've probably heard him called Simon the Zealot. Now, I don't know about you, but early, whenever I studied, a lot of times I would just look over that and be like, oh, Zealot's his last name, that's weird. No, it's actually an indication of what he did. A zealot was um, a po politician or a radical person that was trying to overthrow the Roman government at the time. So Jesus goes to this radical governmental overthrow guy and says, come follow me. In fact, uh, Simon never actually lost the zealousness that he had for what he was doing. He just turned it towards the kingdom this time. He was in cooperation with the kingdom. He got radical about what God was about. And then you got Judas. Judas, it's not entirely sure exactly what Judas did uh, beforehand, but we can conclude and, and, and probably correctly assume that at some point he had something to do with finances because he was the treasurer for Jesus in his ministry. Now, there's people, and maybe some of you are out there in the room today or watching online or whatever it is, and some are like, I don't know why ministries are always looking for money and they're trying to do, get money to do more ministry. Jesus needed a treasurer. Can we understand what that means? He even needed money to do more ministry. So let's get rid of some, some false precepts here. It takes money to do ministry sometimes, and that is okay. Yeah, but Judas did it wrong. Okay. The Target cashier you were with last week did it wrong. You're still going to Target tomorrow. Maybe today. Like, it just is what it is. And then you got Bartholomew and James. 
Now, Bartholomew and James, we have really no recollection of what they did, but we know they weren't a disciple. So we know that traditionally and culturally, they were probably denied discipleship somewhere. So you got 12 guys that weren't good enough to be disciples for people. And Jesus shows up and he looks at him and goes, come, what? Follow me. Why? He was accepting them where they were. In other words, it was an example of God loving them where they were. I want to show you what I'm talking about. I know the lighting isn't the best here, but it's essentially the same as God showing up in your life. Sinful, fearful, addicted, addiction, you know, maybe you're just not a great guy, great girl. Maybe you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you're not in it. You're just in a mess. It's just a mess. It's just, can we just call it what it is? It's a bunch of junk. And it's not fun. And it's just like, I'm caught up in everything. And it's essentially God sitting down next to you, with you, in the midst of your mess, and going, I'm with you. That's what Jesus did to the disciples. That's what Justin was talking about whenever he said, this is how I was living my life, and I found God. I gave my life to Christ. Because just because where you are isn't where you thought you would be or where you need to be doesn't mean God's turned his back on you. In fact, I fully believe the more I get to know God, the more I study the Bible, the more I learn Scripture, the more I live my life, God loves you in the middle of your mess. I know you walked in and depression is all over you and anxiety is there. And you had, you had anxiety about coming here today because if they only knew who I've been. When they do the greeting, please don't anybody turn around and greet me because you just, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And there's fear, there's condemnation, and there's pain. And can I tell you, God just wants to sit with you and meet you in your mess. He's not afraid of your alcoholism. He's not afraid of the addiction you have. He's not afraid of the lies you've told. He's not afraid of the mask that you wear. God is not afraid of that. The only thing he wants is to sit with us in the middle of all of this. He wants to look and he wants to say, come, follow me. But in that phrase, there's a phrase of action. So God loves us where we are but entirely too much to leave us there. Jesus looked at these disciples and he said, come, follow me. In other words, I know you've been denied discipleship from other guys. I know you're just a fisherman. I know you're just a thief. I know you're just this. I know you're just that. I know where you are. I'm meeting you where you are, but I'm not leaving you where you are. And here's when I want somebody in the room to know today. The truth is, is God, yes, is meeting you where you are, but he will not build you a house there. 
he will not stand in that place with you for long. He's going to look at you and go, all right, now it's time to come. It's time to pick your foot up and then put your other foot in front and then keep doing that repetitively over and over as we take a journey that's called following me, a journey of spiritual discipline, a journey of knowing what love is, a journey of sacrifice, a journey of love, a journey of forgiveness. And watch this, you won't be teleported to perfection, but you will take a journey of faithfulness with a God that meets you where you are, but loves you too much to leave you in your mess. That's what we looked at in Justin. That's where we are today. And in fact, there's a phrase, there's a verse, Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 1, and the apostle Paul says it like this, therefore I, he's talking as himself, I am a prisoner, I am shackled, I am chained to God. I am nobody else's, but God alone. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I am imploring you, I am begging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. What is that call? I don't know what that call is. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with my life. That's not the call I'm talking about. The call I'm talking about today is come. Follow me. I'm not qualified. Come. Follow me. Well, you don't know what I've done. Come. Follow me. You don't know. I've never asked for Come. Follow me. What I love about Justin's story is Justin's story is just like your story. And Justin's story is just like my story. We all have a past. We all have a present. And thank God we all have a future. Come. Follow me. In just a moment, what we're going to do is I'm going to give anybody that's in the room that would go, I just need to pray that prayer and say, God, I'm ready to come follow you. Whatever it looks like, I want to be in that. Thank you for meeting me where I'm at. Thank you for taking me on a journey to not leave me there. We're going to pray, and then we're going to worship one more song. And then we've got a handful of people that are going to get baptized today. And here's why that's important. Because what we just talked about is their story. God met them where they were, whatever it was but loved them and loves them too much to leave them there. And this is their story and their way of going, I need to show the world that who I was is underwater. But who I am is rising to life. And when we shout and when we fire off confetti cannons, go ahead and get ready. I don't want to scare nobody. I got a pacemaker. I lose about 15 hours every time. I'm just kidding. I don't want to scare nobody. When we shoot off confetti, when we shout, when we scream, when we clap, when we go crazy, when they come up out of that water, it's because that's their story. And we want them to know, I got you. And we're walking this out together. But first, what I'd love to do is pray. If you would, just bow your heads. If you're in the room and you're just ready to say, I'm ready to follow you, Jesus. Meet me where I am, God. I'll give you everything. 
but I will walk with you because you won't leave me there. If you're at that place, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me right where you are. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I submit everything to you. I lay it at the foot of the cross and I thank you for sacrificing your life that I could have a relationship with a God that meets me in my mess but loves me way too much to leave me there. I give you everything. Forgive my past, my present, and redeem my future. Thank you for making room for me in the family of God. Now with eyes closed, let me ask you, if you prayed that prayer, and you're ready to make that commitment, and say, I prayed that, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. All I want you to do, this is gonna be the last thing, raise your hand right where you are and just say, I prayed that prayer today and gave my life to Jesus because I'm ready to move past where I've been. Just hold it up high. What's gonna happen is you're gonna slip a clipboard in your hand. And here's why. We do life together at Radiate. We're not asking you to walk this new life by alone. We're not asking you to walk this new life by yourself. We wanna pray with you. We wanna answer questions. We wanna give you resources to help you out. If you would, go ahead and stand to your feet with me. We're gonna worship one more time as we get ready to, be, uh, to celebrate baptism. Father, we love you. We honor you. We give you everything that we have. And today, we lift your name on high. Thank you for being the God that loves us.